0: Entertainment Review, a place where I share my unplugged thoughts about the entertainment that I've seen throughout the Midwest with a concentration on Northern Indiana. This episode I've entitled, Get a Clue. This episode is particularly long and jam-packed, but I hope it will be useful information. So buckle your seatbelts, and here we go. Wawasee Chautauqua continued its 100th anniversary commemoration of the passage of the 19th Amendment with a final program on women's suffrage. Who's your suffragettes who raised a ruckus, a rousing presentation that included audience participation singing songs from the movement. Marsha Miller, complete in her 1920s garb, led the march. Like the previous program featuring Melissa Gentry, it was a great time transport in history to a period that is much talked about, but of which few of us have a great understanding. Here's a brief interview that I had with Marsha Miller after her presentation. Just have you identify yourself real quick here.
1: Marcia Miller.
0: And Marcia, what do you do for a living?
1: I'm a research and instruction librarian at Indiana State University.
0: And uh, you just did a presentation about women's suffrage here in Syracuse. What fascinates you most about the women's suffrage movement?
1: Well, one of the things that fascinates me is I thought I had a fairly good handle on women's history, pieces of women's history. Uh, when essentially I was asked to put a presentation together on Hoosier women suffragists a few years ago. And I said, okay. And the more I researched, the more I found, and the more fascinating it became, especially when I discovered some of the people who came out of Indiana into the national suffrage movement, like uh, Sewell and Harper and Gauger, and all of these people who did things in Indiana, but then really helped move the national movement along, I was just so impressed. We really had a number of firsts when it comes to women's suffrage in Indiana, including the 1851 state convention, which may have been the first state convention after the famous 1848 Seneca Falls Convention that sort of got the national movement officially started.
0: Why do you think it took so long to get suffrage? (laughs)
1: Uh, It took a long time to get suffrage because first of all there were a lot of women who didn't know they needed suffrage. (laughs) There were always men and women who didn't think that women could handle being able to vote, Uh and politics was full of men who had a lot of different agendas through the years, and one of the major ones along the way was prohibition. And a lot of the legislators in various states and, and the United States government were really worried that if women got the vote, because so many of them were already involved in the temperance and then prohibition movement, that they would immediately not have liquor. I mean, some of it, some of it was very petty, uh-huh. like that. Uh, others, again, truly felt that women just didn't need to have the vote. Uh, in fact, one of the reasons that Zerelda Wallace, wife of the governor, who was involved in temperance and then became involved in suffrage, was, uh, who really became a strong suffrage person, is again, a well-known woman. She got laughed at when she presented a case in front of the Indiana State Legislature, which only made her more determined than ever to see that suffrage was moved along.
0: So what do you think uh, is the thing that most people don't know about suffrage, particularly suffrage in Indiana?
1: Well, most people really don't necessarily think about the vote or the vote for women. Uh, This year, of course, there's been a big push to say that it has been 100 years since women got the vote because of the 19th amendment being ratified but that's such a tiny little sound bite so much effort went into the movement the campaign before we got the vote what's happened since we got the vote has certainly gone up and down there are still people who are fighting the ability to vote voter fraud issues not those, not those, because those are over, overemphasized, but voter suppression issues. Uh, and, and so it's really a continuum of what is the right of every American, which is to have a vote and, and have it be a meaningful vote.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: they just need to say, all right, I, I knew something about voting. I think I can vote, I registered to vote, but wait a minute, what all actually happened? to make some of this make some of this work.
0: Right. So finally, which I can be sort of answered in the last one, but uh, what do you think is the most important thing that we can learn today from the suffrage movement of the past?
1: The most important thing we can learn from the suffrage movement of the past is that people have to not take voting for granted and, again, as the vote was being ratified, the League of Women Voters was being formed because it wasn't just get women women registered to vote, but make them informed voters and involved voters. And we know that the percentage of people voting today at all ages is still not high. Uh, We know people think that their vote isn't meaningful and they need to know it is meaningful, but they, it needs to be an informed vote, and they just need to be, become involved as voters, but also uh, involved as elected officials at the, at the local level and then moving on.
0: Great. Bye-bye. Thank you.
1: OK, you're
0: welcome. The Syracuse-Wawasee Chautauqua will be holding their annual Lake Wawasee History Cruise on October the 10th. For more information and a link to buy tickets, check out the Wawasee Chautauqua Facebook page. While not technically entertainment events, there are, and have been, some not-to-be-missed opportunities you may want to calendar for the future. The North Webster Community Public Library put on its 14th annual Cemetery Walk this past weekend. The Cemetery Walk is a great opportunity to introduce yourself to your neighbors of the past as various volunteer reenactors, share a brief history of each person that they are portraying. Headed by the library's adult services coordinator, Beth Smith, the event never fails to offer an informed and entertaining look at historical figures of all walks of life. Beth is, by the way, one of the best resources for the genealogist in the state, if not in the entire Midwest. Her dedication to the organized historical and genealogical resources is amazing, as is the library's collection of resources for such a small community. Noble County Historical Society will be hosting a similar event in October. The event is currently scheduled for Monday, October 19th, but may get moved back to the previous Saturday. Check with the Albion Public Library for updates. The event will take place at the Cosperville Cemetery, where I'm honored to say I have a third great-grandfather, a veteran of the War of 1812, who lies buried there. LaGrange County Parks continues to offer interesting nature programs. Last Saturday, I was privileged to be part of the National Butterfly Count, which was locally led by volunteers from the LaGrange County Parks. The park also offers a folk jam once a month. While the jam is currently on pause due to the pandemic, if you're a fan of old-timey music, check in with the park and connect with Irv Troyer, who facilitates the jam. As I was counting butterflies on Saturday, I remembered reading that the Chain of Lakes State Park offers a nine-lake paddle challenge. The challenge is for participants to paddle the nine-chain lakes of the parks and document their journey by taking photographs of various landmarks along the route. While the low water level of several areas of the challenge made certain stretches difficult, it was a fun three hours. However, remember that unless you make arrangements for somebody to meet you at the end of the route to transport you back to the start, that you'll also have to paddle an equal distance in return. Thus, I got quite a shoulder workout after paddling six hours straight. Still feeling that a little bit. And since I did the route backwards, I was miffed to have my cell phone die just before entering the last lake so I was unable to photograph the last landmark. But the kindly park officials humored me, despite their dealing with a horde of weekend campers, when I finally went to retrieve my recognition sticker at 9 p.m. It's a great day of exercise and fun, and there are a lot of trails, lots of fishing, and interesting historical sites within the park. Check it out. I had an enjoyable evening on Sunday of good food and a free head nod jazz concert by After Hours, that's O-U-R-S, not H-O-U-R-S, at the Goshen Brewing Company. I was disappointed, however, to learn that I had missed their annual music festival, this year called the Spaced Jam Music Festival, and it was last weekend. Darn. Nonetheless, the GBC has some great artists coming up, including artists in bluegrass, folk, Irish folk, and cello music. Check out their website for details. Unfortunately, my experience with the Center Street Community Theatre presentation of Clue on Stage was not as positive. Director Catherine Anders remarks in her program notes that between my corny jokes and my obsession with bossing others around, I felt that directing was a natural step in my theatrical career. The leap, however, is perhaps not as natural for Miss Andrews as she suspected. Between the corny shtick and the long pauses, supposedly imitating dramatic moments from 1920s-30s films, they weren't. The pacing was a disaster. Actor line delivery was generally flat, and everything was just either over the top or lacked commitment. Flat performances left me wanting to leave halfway through, but I stayed. It didn't get much better after the intermission. The house was full of what appeared to be friends and family of the performers, and a group of fans across the building from me was evidently amused by the corny jokes because they cackled endlessly. I however was not amused the set however was fairly well designed except for several scenes that played off stage in the hallway which blocked the vantage point of about a third of the audience casting was not particularly diverse but on the positive side assistant director Jennifer K Shepard a victim of ALS was able to contribute to the overall effort if you like sappy one-liners from an old joke book clue on stage may appeal at a mere 12 dollars a ticket i guess it's worth the gamble and now for some virtual opportunities. Steppenwolf Theater in Chicago joins the growing number of theaters offering virtual entertainment. They recently played an archived copy of In the Red and Brown Water, followed by a panel discussion 10 years later, The Brother and Sister Plays. And they're planning for more virtual opportunities. South Bend Civic Theater is running an In the Box series. At $55 a box, or 4 for 200 <laughs> while I love South Bend Civic's work, I feel this virtual opportunity is a bit overpriced. Check their website, however, for additional details. Indianapolis-based Heartland International Film Festival is gearing up for its 29th festival, and they're also making the move online with the virtual festival from October 8th to the 18th. Plus, if you're in the Indianapolis area, they're running two films a night at the historic Tibbs Drive-In and at Connor Prairie. That should be a really fun experience. Tickets are on sale now, and scheduled films will be announced on September the 17th. Goshen's River Band Festival is also going virtual this year, and the entire festival can be accessed with a $50 pass. Sundance Collabs continues to offer its entire Masterclass film production library online for free. There are some really great classes on film financing, film distribution, direction, and much, much more. Check it out at Sundance Collabs. That's C-O-L-L-A-B Thalia Hall in Chicago is offering several live socially distance events including The Ride Live, a fiery 45 minutes of pedal people workout. Check out Thalia Hall's website for the details. Porchlight Musical Theater in Chicago has been producing audience requested songs for musicals and they're making them available online on their YouTube site. They want songs that have a particular meaning to those requesting them. I was fortunate enough to have one of my song requests chosen and I'm looking forward to hearing one of their talented performers sing I Am What I Am from La Caja Fall. It should be up on Porchlight's YouTube, along with many great other requests, very soon. Hottix.org has announced numerous virtual play offerings online for free. Check them out at hottix.org. That's H-O-T-T-I-X.org. And don't fail to check out the mini concerts coming from Ryman.com on Mandolin. Scotty McCreary's concert was amazing. In the late 1960s and early 70s I was a big fan of David Cassidy, and while David's music has largely been ignored by revivalists, he really released some wonderful music, and was actually the first artist to release I Write the Songs, which was written for him. Barry Manilow later recorded it and made it into a mega hit, and although David was sometimes regarded by critics as a bubblegum artist, he had at the time, the largest fan club ever, which topped by a considerable margin Elvis and the Beatles. I was privileged to see him in concert at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, which was, by the way, the venue where Elvis played his final bow. While waiting for David to appear after a show at the outdoor underground stage entrance, I noticed a young man standing near the police cars that were waiting to escort David. I recognized him as Sean Cassidy, David's little brother. Sean later developed his own career and currently writes for the new Amsterdam television series. At the time, however, no one really knew who he was. I thought about crossing the barrier and sidling over to him, but I didn't think I could pull it off, even though there weren't that many people there at the time. But I figured my little sister, who was five years younger than me and about the same age as Sean at the time, could pull it off. So I sent her over to chat with him. I couldn't believe it. She was over there for like 15 or 20 minutes until David was ready to come out and the cops chased her off. About the time she crawled back under the barricade, well, retention rope, David came out and was thrown in the car and whisked away. Sean Cassidy has now begun to do some revival shows of his own material. He had a couple of big hits back in the day, like "Did Do Run Run. I can't wait to see him in concert. It should be a real trip down memory lane. I was excited when i saw that he was going to be coming to the city winery in nashville to do a concert and since he hasn't got that many trips to the midwest scheduled i figured i'd better catch him while i could and that was the closest place i could find about the time i purchased my ticket the virus hit and the show was pushed back several times but it's currently rescheduled for may 17th and they added an extra show on the 18th 2021 at the city winery in nashville now is a great time to buy your ticket if you should be interested in going They can be purchased through the City Winery site or SeanCassidy.com. That's Sean spelled S-H-A-U-N. More about virtual opportunities and other great ways to save money in future episodes. The text of all Midwest Entertainment Review podcasts is now available in blog format on Blogger under the title Midwest Entertainment Review. Catchy, hey? Anyway, if you have specific questions about area entertainment or you're a venue owner and would like me to review a show, Contact me, Michael L. Harris, by email at sastunmedia.com. That's S-A-S-T-U-N-M-E-D-I-A at gmail.com. To help offset the costs of this production, we gladly accept tips and donations. You can make a donation by going to sastunmedia.com, click on the podcast tab, and follow it to the Help Support This Program button to contribute. Michael L. Harris is a proud member of SAG-AFTRA, and this podcast is produced under a SAG-AFTRA Collective Bargaining Agreement. The original music from this program was written, recorded, and produced by Mark McPeak. The opinions expressed herein are just that, opinions. They're the opinions of Michael L. Harris at the time of production. They're not definitive and not intended to demean any person, production, or venue mentioned herein. And they're subject to change. This program is the property of Sastune Media and MLH Media LLC. It is copyright 2020 and all rights are reserved.